If you would, pray, pray for Janet. She's on wedding overdose right now, and uh, she's recovering well. But uh, she's been going 90 miles an hour, and she's doing really, really good. Um, continuing on with our cornerstones of faith today, you know, when you get wronged, anybody ever been wronged before? Nobody? Okay, there we go. We've all been wronged. Anybody ever been mistreated? Ever been offended? Ever been insulted? Every hand ought to go up for that, right? We've all been insulted. Ever been wounded? Ever been abused? Have you ever been angered? Come on. You see, even as Christians, one of the hardest things to do when we go through these challenges is to forgive. Yet, one of the greatest principles in the Christian life is forgiveness. Our 14th cornerstone of faith calls it pardon. I'll tell you a quick story about a good friend of mine who was charged with crimes to which he pleaded guilty. And he was sentenced. And it was a charge that hung with him throughout his life. For 25 some odd years, he petitioned the state to receive a pardon. He was able to show through his behavior and through his ministry that God had changed his life. And then one day, 25 years after the charge, he received his pardon. Oh, he was guilty, but he received a pardon. As Jesus hung on the cross, he modeled absolute forgiveness and even prayed for those people who put him there. In Luke chapter 23, the Bible tells us a little bit of this story. In verse 32, there were also two others, criminals in need of a pardon, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to a place called Calvary, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, if he's the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Those words of Jesus Christ were so powerful, so unexpected, that one of the thieves that was hanging on the cross next to him 
was actually converted. Listen to what Luke says about that. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, say that with me, Lord, amen, praise God. He said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Because Jesus completely forgave us. Because Jesus has completely pardoned you and I. As difficult as it may be, he wants us to follow his example by pardoning others, by forgiving others. The Bible says in Ephesians in chapter, verse, chapter 4, verse 32, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, listen to this part, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. The Bible gives us a lot of different, a lot of different characteristics of forgiveness that you and I should have for other people. The first characteristic that we need to be aware of is this. Forgiveness first comes from God. You're not going to be a very good forgiver unless you've been forgiven. Amen? In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, And whenever you stand praying, whenever you're talking to God, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, many people, many Christians, approach God in prayer with a very nonchalant kind of attitude. Maybe you've done it yourself. I know I have. They ask God to, to do this thing and to do that thing. Uh, they ask God to heal this person and to heal that person. Lord, help us get through this difficulty and through that difficulty. But sadly, many of them fail to pray in what I call an introspective heart. They fail to pray with an introspective heart, meaning they fail to confess their own sins. They fail to confess their own lack of faith. They fail to, to confess their own shortcomings in other relationships. And that obstructs their prayers from reaching their intended target. Are you hearing me, church? But an attitude of unforgiveness, 
an attitude of unforgiveness can also hinder our prayer life. In Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. In other words, if I don't confess the sin going on in my own life, God ain't listening. Now, if you're listening this morning, say amen. Listen up. It's important to know that in Mark chapter 11 there, in verse 25, Jesus is not saying, He's not saying that God's forgiveness is dependent on you forgiving somebody else. What He is saying is that God's, God's forgiveness is completely dependent on what was accomplished on the cross when Jesus died there for you. That is how we receive forgiveness. Here's what Jesus is stressing. He's stressing that if you are truly a forgiven person, then you will work hard to forgive many others. At the same time, if you aren't willing to forgive, one might wonder, man, does he know anything about God's forgiveness? Don't let unforgiveness rob you of the abundant life of Christ. Don't let unforgiveness rob you of joy. Pardon as Christ has pardoned you. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. That forgiveness, it first and foremost comes from God. But secondly, you need to know this morning that forgiveness knows no limits. Are you hearing me? Say amen if you're hearing me. Forgiveness knows no limits. How do you know, Bill? Well, just check out this parable. In Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21, the New Living Translation shares the parable of the unforgiving servant. It goes like this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked the Lord, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who owed him money, those who had borrowed money from him. Well, in the process, one of the debtors, one of his servants, came to him and owed that king millions of dollars. But he couldn't pay it. And so the king told his servants that that man has to be sold along with his wife, along with his children, and along with everything that he has to pay back his debt. Well, that servant fell down before the king and he begged him and he said, Please, king, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then the king, moved with compassion, released him and forgave the entire debt. Well, when the man left the king, 
He went to a fellow servant of his that owed him just a few thousand dollars and he grabbed that servant by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe me and pay me now. But the fellow servant fell down and begged him for a little more time and he said, please be patient with me and I will pay it all to you. That sound familiar? But a creditor wouldn't wait. He wouldn't wait and he had the man arrested, put in prison until the whole debt could be paid in full. Well, about that time, some of the other servants were paying attention and they got very upset and they went and told the king what this servant had done and everything that had happened. And the king called the man whom he had forgiven those millions of dollars and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant like I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent that man to prison where he was going to be tortured until such time as he could pay his entire debt. Jesus said, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. You see, friends, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders taught that if you got wronged in some way, if somebody hurt you or offended you or wronged you in some way, uh, you had to forgive them like two to three times max. So Peter, feeling pretty safe, thought that he would muster up all his forgiveness and go to the Lord and wonder that if he forgave someone seven times, how might that sit with Jesus? Well, he was pretty shocked to learn that it wasn't seven times, but it was 70 times seven, or 490 times he was to forgive him. Now, what if somebody needed forgiveness that 491st time? Are we not to offer up forgiveness? Of course we are. So what was Jesus teaching here? He's teaching that we should extend unlimited forgiveness. Extend unlimited forgiveness. Now, then Jesus went on to tell this earthly story that has eternal implications of that man who had been forgiven so much, possibly as much as $10 million. Yet he was unwilling to even work out some terms with this other servant who owed him far, far less. But the real point of Jesus' message is that we as sinners have been forgiven so much. We have been forgiven so much, therefore we ought to pardon others. We ought to forgive others who offend us no matter how badly we've been hurt. You see, they owe you very little 
compared to what God forgave you for. They pardoned you very little compared to what we owe God. Amen. Listen up, y'all. For the Christian, no wrong is too great and no wrong is too small to offer pardon, to offer forgiveness. So forgiveness comes from God first. And forgiveness knows no limits. But did you know that forgiveness is not selective? Forgiveness is not selective. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, listen to what the words of the Lord say. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the, the hated tax collectors do the same? What if you, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Don't even the hated tax collectors do that? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. One Bible commentator wrote this. To return something evil for something good is demonic. To return something good for something good, that's human. But to return something good for something evil, now that's godly. Now you and I are far from godly. But you need to know and I need to know that you and I are not at liberty to forgive some people but not forgive others. Because forgiveness is not selective. That means that not only do we have to forgive our enemies, not only do we have to forgive those who hurt us, but that we also have to love them. Aren't you glad that loving your enemies comes so naturally for you? Amen? No, it don't come naturally and it don't come easily. In fact, if you and I waited for some heavenly feeling of love to come upon us for our enemies, man, they'd never get forgiveness. Here's the bottom line. It's absolutely impossible. It's absolutely impossible to love your enemies apart from the help that the Holy Spirit offers you. But if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're being led by the Spirit, if you're continually being filled with the Spirit of God, then you can begin to pray for your enemies, to pray for those who hurt you and offend you even before you consciously love them. Now, friend, if you feel like you fall short in this area of forgiveness, 
don't feel shot at. If you fall short in this area of forgiveness, don't lose heart. You're not the only one who struggles in this department of forgiveness. But here's some good news for you. The Bible does give us many examples of believers like me and you being filled with the Spirit of God so that we have that godly ability to forgive. Let me share a couple examples with you. One of them is a fellow named Joseph. God's Spirit gave Joseph the ability to forgive, the ability to embrace, the ability to kiss his brothers, you know, the ones who sold him into slavery, the ones who caused him to be in prison for years. Listen to what Genesis 45 says. When they were brought together again, Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so loud that all the Egyptians heard, and the whole house of Pharaoh heard him weeping. And then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not even answer him, for they were dismayed in Joseph's presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near to me. And so they came near, and he said to them, I am Joseph, your brother, the one you sold into slavery here in Egypt. But now, therefore, do not be angry or grieved with yourself, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are yet five years where there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the, in the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it wasn't you that sent me here. And then in verse 15, the Bible says, Moreover, Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept over every one of them. And after that, his brothers talked with Joseph. God's Spirit gave Joseph the ability, the godly ability to forgive. But did you know that God's Spirit also gave David the same ability. You see, David had had full opportunity to kill King Saul, who had been trying to murder him for years. Listen to what 1 Samuel 24, verse 10 says. As David was speaking to the king, who had been trying to kill him for years, he said, Look, king, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in that cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. And in verse 16, so it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, 
Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and he wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done for me this day. So God's Spirit granted Joseph that godly ability to forgive and David that godly ability to forgive. But there's one more I want to share with you quickly because God's Spirit granted the first Christian martyr. His name was Stephen. As people were actually stoning him, throwing stones to kill him, here is what Stephen said. And as they stoned Stephen, he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. He died. So God's Spirit gave David and Joseph and Stephen this godly ability to forgive even their enemies. But you know and I know that the ultimate example of forgiving one's enemies came from Jesus Christ himself. While hanging there on the cross, writhing in pain, y'all, Jesus said, Father, forgive them but they don't know what they're doing. As I thought about that, I said, you know, if the cruel torture of being crucified would not silence the prayers of Jesus for his enemies, me and you, then what pain do I have? What prejudice do I, do I have? What unfair treatment has been done to me that could possibly justify my unforgiveness? See, just as God's Spirit worked in the lives of these folks in the Bible, just as God's Spirit worked in the life of Christ, God's Spirit will enable you, friend, to love to pray, to do good, and ultimately to forgive those who have hated you and those who have hurt you. Forgiveness first comes from God. Forgiveness knows no limits. And forgiveness cannot be selective. But finally today, the good news is, is that forgiveness breaks down walls. The essence of Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, Since God chose you, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves 
intentionally put on the clothes of tender-hearted mercy, of kindness and humility. Put on, clothe yourselves in gentleness and patience. Make allowance for other people's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Friend, you will never enjoy the abundant life Christ wants you to have. You'll never enjoy the peace of God if you're harboring a grudge of unforgiveness against someone else. It'll never come to you. Unforgiveness is a lot like cancer. It grows. And sometimes it grows out of control. And therefore, unforgiveness requires drastic treatment. Like loving your enemies. Loving those who have hurt you. Loving those who have even abused you. That's the incredible drastic treatment. Unforgiveness, friend, can rob you of health, of peace, and of joy. And because unforgiveness is like a cancer... It can also affect those around you. For instance, you know, as I do, that children are typically very resilient when they've been hurt or wronged in some way. The kids will move past that. But it's the parents, it's the parents that often teach them that you've got to hold that grudge. You've got to hold back forgiveness. And who does that hurt? The child. So unforgiveness, it affects you. And it affects those around you. But your unforgiveness can also steal your intimate fellowship with God. So it affects God. Scripture points out that God feels like that king. Remember the king, right? He feels like that king that forgave you so much. The sins of your past, the sins of your present, and the sins of your future, he's forgiven. And then we go off and harbor the simplest of complaints. My friend, when you choose, say choose. When you choose to forgive, when you choose to forgive, then and only then will you begin to experience true freedom. Freedom from pain, freedom from emotional burden, freedom from broken relationships, freedom from guilt, freedom from carrying a burden that you are not meant to carry. Forgiveness breaks down walls. Have you received the forgiveness of God? The Bible says that in Him, in Jesus, we receive a pardon. 
In him we receive redemption through his blood. In him we receive salvation through the blood of Christ. Here it comes, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know what your list looks like, but I know what mine looks like. And he has forgiven me much. Therefore, I will yearn and seek out opportunities to forgive anyone who offends me. If you've never been saved, you can have this forgiveness that Ephesians 1 7 tells us about. But, friend, if you have been saved, then one of the high callings on your life now becomes learning to pardon others the way you've been pardoned. To be graceful to others the way God has poured out His grace on you. Because that forgiveness first comes from God. And forgiveness knows no limits. Forgiveness can't pick and choose. I'll forgive this one, but not that one. Forgiveness knows no limits and cannot be selective. But when you begin to reach that point, and it may take a while, but when you begin to reach that point, forgiveness breaks down walls. And that's what I pray for you for today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for forgiving us a multitude of sins. Lord, for every born-again child of God here today, our prayer is that you would teach us to pardon others as we've been pardoned, to forgive others as we have been forgiven. We know it comes from you first. And we know it comes without limits because even though I continue to fail you and displease you day to day, the blood of Jesus has purchased my forgiveness and I will yearn to forgive others who've offended me. Father, help me to realize that I can't pick and choose who I'm going to forgive because, Lord, you offered forgiveness for the world, for every human being, man, woman, and child, that anybody can have a relationship with you through his shed blood. Anyone could be forgiven of their sins no matter what they've done. Lord, help us to forgive them likewise. Tear down the walls, Lord, that hinder our relationship with you, hinder those around us, hinder from us even knowing ourselves. Lord, let us not hold a grudge. Let us not try to bear that burden, that burden that only Jesus could carry. Father, have your will in your way in this decision time. Cause the change in our life that you want changed. And we're going to give you praise in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's all stand and sing.